Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Garskatting coming to you live from North Carolina. I'm glad to have each and every one of you on this morning and those who watch via replay as well. Today, we want to ask and reflect on the question of how hungry are we for the Lord and his heart and his purpose, not only for our individual lives, but for this nation. As we go through the chapter from the Future War of the Church from Chuck Pierce and Rebecca Wagner on dethroning the thrones of iniquity, and today we want in scripture we want to look at Matthew 15 and the story in the parable of the Syrophoenician woman or the Canaanite woman, the Gentile woman. And I think that's very clear because it, it asks and it helps us understand the um, parable and the response from Jesus during this interaction here with this Syrophoenician woman. So we want to look at scripture here. Let me pull this up. Where we see it start, it really starts in um, verse 21, where it says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman came from the region, and a Canaanite woman from the region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon possessed. And like the story we saw yesterday with the centurion, uh, these are people who are hungry, who are desperate, who are humble, who are uh, filled with faith because they've heard the stories of Jesus coming, seeking him, seeking healing in this instance, and deliverance from from demons and, and from torment and from being paralyzed yesterday in this story from demons itself. It goes on in verse 23, he says, But he did not answer her a word. He pretty much ignored her to an extent. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. And in 24, But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he <clears throat> answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And obviously this is a... His response to what he said earlier is, I'm, I was only sent to the house of Israel. You're a Gentile. You're, you're not a part of this family. But she goes on out of desperation. And she says, but yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table, meaning all she'll take is a crumb. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great, and it shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. So we see here, again, a, a great example of someone having faith, an extreme faith in Christ, saying, Oh, woman, great is your faith. And, and from the um, example of yesterday, saying, 
uh, to the centurion is how great is your faith? And so we we see here, and, and we also look at examples through his interactions with the disciples of how he reprimands them for their lack of faith. But then here we see him again praise her faith. And when we see this, if anybody's been around the church for quite some time has heard this story in any iteration, is how does this apply today? How does this apply what we're going through and dealing with? And Chuck points out, he says, the Canaanite woman knew that even the crumbs of bread that had fallen from the master's table could liberate her daughter. It's not the amount of your faith, but the quality of it. And in looking at our response and, and the situation this country is in, is how hungry are we for the Lord? Are we okay with crumbs? Are we desperate enough to cry out for crumbs like this woman? And this brings back the point of the the five foundations principle that Tatrahan taught us. And I want to bring that up because there's a poll that came out yesterday that showed where Americans' um, interests lie right now heading into the midterms. And so we see here these, let me blow this up, these five principles for those who are listening via podcast. It, let me go back, is the five principles are creator, Understanding that God is a creator, life, God is the giver of life, marriage, sexuality, uh, knowing that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, and then ultimately Israel, and knowing that God established this nation and brought forth the Savior Jesus Christ through this lineage. So those are the five foundations that we see in Scripture that the Lord, Lord's heart presents to us in the Word of, Word of Christ and God. Now, when we go through... These recent polls that was put out yesterday, we see the top issues facing those who are polled, to be brutally honest. This is um, from the Harris-Harvard poll, that, or Harvard-Harris poll, that was put out uh, yesterday, where they surveyed around 2,100 people, and this is the response. The response was this, is the top five issues are inflation, price increases, the economy and jobs, immigration, crime and drugs, and women's rights. Health and it goes on healthcare, guns, environment, national debt, etc. And the the top concerns for the Republican Party are immigration, price increases, economy, jobs, taxes, guns, etc. Um, Democrats are focused on January 6th, women's rights, environmental change, you know, climate change, guns, economy, jobs, etc. So this is what, this is where the people are lining up at. And, and it's hard to say where every individual lines up because that's nearly impossible. But the question is, is, is we have to ask ourselves and reflect and say, okay, how hungry are we for the Lord? How hungry are we for dethroning the thrones of iniquity in not only in our lives, but in our families, in our cities, our states, our nation, etc. And then walking out the foundations of what the Lord shows here. Because as we see, and, and this builds back upon Eric Metaxas' book of the letter to the American church, is where does looking at what the German church was dealing with in their time. And we see here that the Nazi party was their ideology was paganism, evolution, um, under, 
looking towards Darwin, uh, life, eugenics, believed in the superior race. Now it's called women's health. Um, marriage, he obviously, there was a, a perversion within the, the Nazi party of that. We're seeing that now, the LGBTQ stuff. Sexuality, again, homosexuality. It's believed that Hitler was a flagrant homosexual. You're seeing that again with the LGBTQ stuff, those things being perverted and brought up, and now the rise of anti-Semitism. Um, and so we're we're seeing these things, and it's, I'm just posing a question of hopefully we can reflect and pray for ourselves, for our leaders, for our voters, who are coming into and in some instances are already being allowed to vote in early voting, mail-in voting, um, things that have started around this country where people can now decide and, and just, again, want to continue to pray for those who are going to take this action to vote. And, and this is one of, in this poll, it talked about how 61% of people who were polled said that they will look at going to vote in these midterm elections, and usually they don't. It's like a 20% increase of when they usually vote in the midterm elections to now. So people are, are more aware. Things are more heightened right now. Uh, and it's really just need to be in this, this somber place with the Lord. And, and the church as well needs to um, be awakened in this season as we head into the midterms. Okay, with that in the news, we see some troubling things happening uh, in China and in Ukraine. So we want to focus there on a few things on what's going on domestically. So first we see in China that there are reports now that there are headhunters in that work for China out of South Africa who have gone after for quite some time ex-British uh, military pilots who have not just flown planes within the Royal Air Force but in had other roles within the Air Force itself. This is um, coming from the Daily Wire and then also the Epoch Times. And the summation of this story is that they've been hired to the tune of 270000 um, I believe it's U.S. dollars per year to train Chinese pilots, and in, in really instances, um, to really develop, help the Chinese military develop Air Force tactics and capabilities. The huge problem is, number one, a matter of international security, not just national security. Um, but for international security, for the UK, it's international security. There, people are looking into because of basically a military form of an NDA, where people people sign in the what's called the Official uh, Secrets Act, which would prevent these ex-UK pilots from giving away military sh legally giving away military secrets to the Chinese and their pilots. The UK is looking into this to see what can be done. Le Supposedly, the reports say legally there's nothing to stop them from doing this, although you would think if they were patriots, they would not want to do this, but the fact that they live in South Africa and not in, in the UK might show to where their patriotism lies for the UK. And so we see here that um, there's a... a Interesting, interesting dynamic here happening that is being that has been happening for quite some time that we're just now finding out. Now the big question is: is what level of training are these Chinese pilots really getting? Are they training them to the top quality that they were trained to, that U.S. pilots are trained to, that Israeli pilots are trained to? Unfortunately, the only way to find that out is 
for there to be an unfortunate military interaction between China and anybody else in the in the world to see at what level they're truly at. So there's a lot of questions here. It's very alarming that this is even happening, but something to be aware of because the the U.S. is involved with what's going on and possibly with what could go on in Taiwan. What does this mean? Does this mean they're they're very well trained pilots? At what level? I mean, this just poses a lot of questions and things to take into consideration to know that this is what our administration and military leaders are, are digesting. And maybe they've known this for quite some time. But these are the type of things that they're dealing with with China. China shows they're willing to go to extreme lengths to do this. <laughs> and the fact that the UK has a problem with it is a good thing. And hopefully something can be done to secure international security around the world um, with dealing with this issue. Then we go to – we talked a little about bit about this yesterday on our noon prayer with what's going on in Kiev. The reason I want to talk about this today is because our, our U.S. State Department is directly involved in this. So there's a dis- huge dispute going on between Iran, Russia, and the U.K., I mean, and Ukraine, excuse me, where everyone around the world pretty much has the understanding that Iran has sent Russia drones and missiles that explode on impact, and it's been causing problems within Kiev, the capital city of Ukraine, and other regions that are on civilian sites, apartment buildings. Um, The video we tried to show yesterday was of civilians shooting with shotguns and machine guns, whatever they may have, and military personnel shooting down these drones because that's the only way they know how to fight them. Which brings in the dynamic of Israel is Ukraine is looking to officially submit a request to Israel for not only possibility of getting weapons to be able to defeat these drones, but also the tactics that are involved with understanding how to defeat them. And the understanding internationally is that Israel, being the fact that it is, if they are truly Iranian drones, which most of the world tends to believe, then Israel is the superior intelligence on has a superior intelligence on this and knows all the tactics of how to defeat them, what type of weapons, etc., and stuff like that. Now, the reason this involves the United States is that the the U.S. State Department has come out and said, made the assessment that Iran 100% has given you uh, Russia these drones. That they're the ones being used. The press secretary has come out and accused Iran of lying when they've denied this. So this is kind of where things are at with our administration. Then we get to the point of the Kremlin has come out and said that if Israel, uh, number one, they deny giving it, but also if Israel were to get involved here, that this would supposedly destroy relations with Israel. And the only reason that Israel really isn't getting involved is because they're, they don't want to, 
how do I put this lightly? They don't want to lose the ability to attack Syrian forces in Syria, Iranian forces in Syria, where Russia has a huge military presence, even though they have been pulling out for quite a few months to get those assets, those military assets, to the Ukrainian front. So this is part of the reason why Israel isn't going forward with this. So this is an interesting dynamic to see involved in all of this um, and know that, again, our administration is involved in the middle of this. And so we just want to pray for them to have wisdom in this situation. And, and look, there is a huge debate domestically here in the United States of what should this administration do militarily? Should it continue sending money? You know, the, the, those on the right make fun of that. Why are we doing this? But then they also don't want to send military weapons, and, and more so, our military itself there, which I totally get. Not calling for that. I, I think this administration is a very in a very peculiar situation, and they're trying to do the best that they know. They obviously they don't want another Iraq situation where people are upset about sending troops there for what they deem as not a necessary battle to get involved with. But when does that change? When do they think, when does the administration think that changed? I don't know. And so that's why we just want to pray for them, pray for our military leaders. They're focusing on equity and diversity, not on military training and strength and strategy and things that they should be to hopefully be able to deal with a strong presence, opposition forces, whoever it may be, whenever it may be. And that was one of the big problems of when they went into Iraq. They just, they had, because they didn't have experience, they dealt with a lot of losses. Don't want to get off into that, but it's just something we want to pray about for our administration with China, with Iran, with Russia, with Israel. And as the midterms are coming, as Israel's elections are coming, how does this administration handle it moving forward? We just want to pray that they have the fear and wisdom of the Lord, that there's somebody within this administration, somebody within the military, somebody within this White House who will just listen to what the heart of the Father is on this issue. And I, it's, I think it's hard to sit here and say this is the one issue because there's a lot of information we don't know. And so we just want to simply pray for them in this season as a lot of things are going on. And part of those lot of things are campaigns going on. So I want to shift to segue into uh, some things that are happening domestically. So we're seeing, obviously, last night with the, the debates, and now it's coming out that there are about eight races within the Senate that could decide. There's your more top-line races in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, and Arizona that pretty much are at the forefront and heightened and have been talked about for quite some time with obviously Oz and Fetterman in Pennsylvania, Kemp and Abrams in Georgia, and then you have Nevada and Arizona uh, with Lake and Kelly and, and those politicians, those races there. But then there's the what is being now considered um, those within both the Republican and Democratic Party are calling sleeper races that no one's really talking to but are starting to heat up. The first one is North Carolina. Um, the race between uh, Bun or Bud make sure I get it right, I always forget, Bud, and then um, former North Carolina Supreme Court Chief Justice uh, Sherry Beasley, who has a history of woke policies from the bench. 
very pro- problematic. But now you're having money from PACs, super PACs. Uh, now Chuck Schumer is getting involved in attacking Bud, his family, and et cetera, and things like that. If you don't, if you're not aware of the actual issues, the the ads sound very convincing. Um, you have the race, Senate race in Colorado with Michael Bennett, the top, uh, who is now the top Republican, and um, I forget the name of, of the Democrat opponent, but there's a huge race there. You have Florida, which is quite interesting to see uh, the fact that Florida is even being considered this with, I think it's Rubio's race, if I remember right. Um, but those are huge, huge races there. It'll be interesting to see where Florida lies now with all these new migrants, legal citizens coming in um, from New York, California, etc. How how now the dynamic uh, of the country lies, and the last one is Washington. Again, Chris Reed's word is, is look out for the West Coast. You know, watch what they do um, because it will surprise people. So that's something interesting to, to pay attention to in those Senate races as it is up for contention. There are a lot of races out there. So want to pay attention to those, pray for those, pray for voters in those situations. And then also domestically we see now that you're one of the top Republicans in the House is coming out and saying that Biden's impeachment is on the table. And for quite some reason, Plausible reasons. Uh, Elise Stefanik out of New York has come out and said that this is on the table. This is what we'll be looking at and doing. And this she's following um, Mitch McConnell's and all the other Republicans' line of reasoning in involved in this. And the huge problem is, number one, is that you're telling the Biden administration that we're going to impeach you if we take back the Senate and the House. Well, what do you think the Biden administration and Democrats are going to do? It's not just Biden. Okay, you take down Biden. You take that. You possibly are forcing the Biden administration and those who want to be in power. The fact that they're using the sitting president in the position that they're in, they they can see. We have prophetic that they know when he has his moments of weakness and they take advantage of it. If there is that case, what do you think they're going to do if you're telling them, hey, we're coming for you? in front of everybody, letting everybody know, and not saying that there's not good reason to possibly try. What you're saying is, what do you think they're going to do? And history has showed us that impeachments and claiming impeachments and focusing on impeachments does not do well. And not only does it not do well, it's unsuccessful, number one, even when they tried on on when President Trump was in office, did not be, was not successful. Then you also have the fact of, um, you're only isolating those who are party neutral on this situation because maybe they don't see it. Maybe they don't believe it. Maybe they're not aware of these situations. Should they? Yeah, I, I get, okay, push the problems. But obviously the solution is you're ultimately going to need Democrats to lead this. You, you Republican, Republicans cannot lead this. This is the problem. When Democrats tried it, there were hardly any Republicans who went on board with them. And so the reality is in this situation is you need Democrats to be the ones leading this fight, this battle here for you. So if you don't have that, you're literally just wasting your breath, wasting your time, wasting your effort. 
Because as we saw in these polls, that is not even a top issue. That is not even a concern for neutral parties. I mean, I mean the the idea of the the Biden crime family, which is some are calling it, is not even a, an an issue here. And people are worried about the economy, inflation, whether they're going to have jobs. Obviously, the immigration and the policies and things that go on with it. So, um, it's a, it's a waste of time. Unfortunately, that they're focusing on history has showed us that unless you have like an extreme smoking gun that you know you like Nick. Nixon, you have a one voice recorder saying things, and you can play that to the American public. Unfortunately, the American public isn't, and you're, you're crying wolf at this point, isn't going to go along with it. And that last thing, huge golden court case we want to pray for. Out of Indiana, the Indianapolis started a, a, a good job, really good job of reporting on this, and, and they tend to break really big stories like this. Is there is a case in Indiana before the Supreme Court that could potentially help states around the country defund Planned Parenthood, which would be extremely huge. Now, um, the article goes on to say, it says, a controversial uh, U.S. Supreme Court case that Marion County's public health agency is pursuing could make it easier for red states across the country to cut off funding for Planned Parenthood, Although the case begins as a dispute over alleged poor nursing home care, the sweeping nature of what the Health and Hospital Corp. of Marion County is asking the Supreme Court to do would have far-reaching repercussions, among them taking a key legal tool that Planned Parenthood has used to beat back efforts to defund the organization in Republican-led states, including Indiana. Health and Hospital, the public agency that operates the Marion County Health Department and the Sidney Lewis um, Wisconsin Hospital wants the high court to ban private lawsuits over federal safety net programs like Medicaid. Ha If justices agree, millions of beneficiaries would lose their ability to sue when state and local governments violate their federal rights or improperly withhold benefits. It's a huge ask. Um, be interesting to see how they, they line out on this. Not only for the aspect of, okay, this will help Planned Parenthood get defunded, but is this an overreach or preventing um, a balance of power, checks and balances on the public sector run or hospitals or organizations? Because what they're trying to do is say no private lawsuits can come in and prevent and, and really deal with the poor care involved in uh, publicly run healthcare systems. Uh, they go on to say, but it's not just individual recipients who would be prohibited from suing. Providers such as Planned Parenthood also would be barred from bringing lawsuits. That would be quite interesting, and that's where the Planned Parenthood aspect comes into play. This is that that prospect has led uh, re Republicans states across the country to latch onto health and hospitals cases. If the strategy were to be successful, Planned Parenthood would then. Um, be barred from suing to prevent providers from receiving uh, Medicaid funds because it provide abortions, which they should be able to get anyways because federal dollars are not supposed to be going towards abortions. So 
this is a huge case uh, to pray for the justices involved, knowing that now, originally, the issue with Planned Parenthood and abortion wasn't really why this case was brought forward. From my understanding of the story, is poor uh, nursing home care involved in there that they wanted to be able to deal with, and and there's a lot of a lot of tricky things in this, and and so obviously this would if I'm understanding the case correctly prevent Planned Parenthood from preventing the blockage um, from Medicaid funds to going towards them but then also there's there's a whole issue of being able to hold publicly run of hospitals and, and organizations accountable knowing where the funds are coming from who's giving to them so so a huge huge case to be praying for something we'll be paying attention to as we're learning about the cases that are coming before the supreme court in this session with the new supreme court so we'll see how they rule on this um in the coming months and be very mindful of the possible ramifications possibly for the good possibly for the bad if this is ruled in the right or wrong way in line with the heart of the founding principles the constitution but then also in the heart of the father and going back to the original question of how hungry are we for the lord's desires for this nation and and asking ourselves this week and looking at those in those situations and and let us know where you're seeing stuff prophetically dreams visions where the Lord's showing you where you know something we need to pray into because there's there's a lot going on there's a lot of information coming out um, some of these races are getting very contentious and things we we just want to continue to pass this information along to as many people as we possibly can to join in pray not only for this nation but the office of the president so with that I'll close don't forget we have our noon prayer for those in the Shreveport Bossier area at Christian Center Shreveport and then um I'll be back here tomorrow and for the rest of this week. So blessings, and I will see you guys later. Have a good one.